wake of the war in Israel and all that's happening, uh, we've not only felt that we need to do something financially to be able to help the people and the effort that's on the ground, but what can we be doing spiritually and even just from where we sit here in central Kentucky. And so we've been hosting some prayer gathering nights and just gathering the people who are around us in this community that we're building. And uh, as we were praying last night in the Asbury community, we had a friend drop in. Uh, his name is Ephraim Goldstein, and he has been living six miles from Lebanon over the last 35 years. And he's been co-pastoring with a Lebanese guy who loves the Lord. And uh, what Ephraim did was share, what is life like living that close to the border? And if you don't know anything about Ephraim, he is uh, working with Chosen People Ministries. If you know anything about Chosen People Ministries, it's led by a guy named Mitch Glazer. What I love and I didn't know was that Ephraim is the guy that led Mitch Glazer to the Lord. So there's a beautiful history and legacy of faith being passed down. And we got to talk uh, as we were finishing up our prayer time. Ephraim dropped in and uh, I said, hey, come up to the front. We put him in the hot seat. We threw a microphone on. And really, you're going to just hear there's a, a bit of a, a group there. We were asking questions. So this is not sitting in a studio and talking and having you know questions set up ahead of time. We really just kind of went with the moment and captured it because he is going to be going in the next couple of days back on a plane headed to Israel who is in war. And he will be there in Naharia, which is six miles from the Lebanese border, to be able to bring comfort and peace to a community that is really under a lot of trauma, a lot of stress right now. And if you listen all the way to the very end, there's an extra bonus. Um, we have a friend here in the area who is a Jordanian Arab Christian, and she was invited to come and pray with us uh, for the for our, our gathering that night. And we threw a microphone on her, and so we have a little bonus footage at the end if you want to listen to that as well. But really beautiful, and you'll get an inside look at the relationship between the Jews and Arabs as it looks like, what it looks like inside the land of Israel. And my guess is that it's much, much different than you think. Check out this episode. Welcome to the Jewish Road Podcast. We're here with our good friend, our new friend, yeah. Ephraim Goldstein. And you were just about to tell us, where do you live? So, uh, our primary resident right now, as of June, is Pennsylvania. But our heart, our life, the congregation is still back in Israel. Uh, our congregation called Light of Galilee, which I said, go figure, it's actually in Galilee. Martin, Martin's been there. Um, and uh, the congregation, when uh, you know, we presented to them that our family you know, in the U.S. now has some need, you know, uh, the congregation, which is very family-oriented, you know, my co-pastor is Lebanese, and it's really all about family, and he and the congregation said, you need to be with your family and, uh, you know, care for them and, uh, you know, your precious grandchildren. And so I said, after two, a year and a half, two years, I can't pastor. There's no such thing as an absentee pastor. And the co-pastor of the congregation said, no, you can't resign you know, we need you. So once a week, I'm on a Zoom call with them, and as often as we can, every couple of months back in Israel, and, uh, you know, keeping uh, 
that relationship, the, my co-pastor who's Lebanese said, when I'm in Israel, Ephraim, you're the pastor. He said, when you're not here, he's the pastor. And we have a good uh, relationship and caring for the people. And after having been in Israel 35 years, home is there. We never planned to move back to the U.S., uh, not as missionaries and not as in individuals, but uh, to be near family is important. But Sunday I go back to Israel um, because uh, I had been planning to go anyhow as a regular routine. But when the war broke out, you know, uh, we just feel my wife and I, she won't go back with me. Uh, but uh, we agreed that uh, this burden of our country and people at war today, our city of Naharia came under rocket attack. And, uh, you know, uh, with our chosen people staff, we have about 25 people in Israel. And all week on our chosen people WhatsApp groups, there's two of them. Anytime there's a rocket attack, everybody's going back and forth. Are you safe? How are you? And today, during uh, when we were at uh, Wilmore Free Methodist, I started seeing you know, things in our congregation. People, are you safe? Are you? And, you know, it, it's, a, it's a terrible time. Um, you know, but th that's some of where we are, uh, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's not uncommon these days to travel. I, I, I wish we were there, but as uh, people have encouraged me, the only people to care for my family and my sons and their wives and our grandchildren are me and my wife. Let, let me ask you, in the 35 years that you have been there, how would you characterize what it was like from the, in the beginning when you were there to now, notwithstanding the last week? Well, I lived, uh, my real, thank you, my real experience in Israel was when I was there as a young believer in 1972. You know, so my comparison between 1972, I lived there for two and a half years, uh, is from 1972 to 74, uh, and not uh, 1995. You know, so the difference in, 19, in 1972, there were barely 500 believers in the land. Yeah. There were maybe five or six Messianic congregations. Uh, you know, we, we barely had any Hebrew literature or Hebrew New Testaments. Um, and it was very rustic in that sense. And the, the body was uh, very small. Uh, we had youth conferences, which went from anybody from 21 years old to 48 years old were the youth conferences. Uh, and you got to capture everybody you can. <laughs> and, uh, and they weren't that big. <laughs> and any time, and this is when any time somebody single showed up, uh, everybody, you know, the, the single women looked, oh, that's matchmaker, guy, matchmaker. And if it was a girl, <laughs> uh, because the body was so small, you know, and... Believe and, it or not, it's still the same way in Messianic congregations. Uh, <laughs> it, it changed. I mean, we, we've, uh, you know, it, it's changed today. You know, there are well over 50, 75 congregations. Many of them are small in home it, groups and fellowships. In Israel. In Israel, yeah. Messianic community. Um, and we have a great controversy over how many believers there are. You, you might be part of some of this dialogue, Martin, because we get emotional about it. Is there 15,000? Is there 30,000? Um, you know, I, I prefer to lowball a number because none of our congregations are that big. The Carmel Assembly, which you're, you're very uh, familiar with, is probably one of the largest. Um, 
you know, congregations by far, but there, and there's a couple more that are growing now. Um, and so we see a big difference. But today, uh, there's an abundance of literature in Hebrew. Uh, we have our own music and worship music that's unique uh, to Israel. When I was there, they were translating uh, Anglican hymns into Hebrew. <laughs> wow. You know, uh, you know, and if you know anything about good old Anglican music, you know, it doesn't have a beat to it. <laughs> good theology, but uh, no beat. And now, you know, we just have a, a reservoir of, of wonderful worship music. And, uh, you know, I, I was an instructor at the Israel College of the Bible for a number of years. And that was a blessing because I left Israel in 74 to get theological education. Uh, so we have a, a thoroughly equipped Bible college with Hebrew uh, instructor, instructors who will pre teach in Hebrew. Um, is that with Sorev? Yeah, Eris yeah. Sorev is the president of our Bible yeah. college uh, and Seth Postel. And Seth is the dean of the uh, Bible College. You know, Seth I knew as a 14-year-old. Uh, oh, wow. And now he's a dean. At one point he was my <laughs> almost boss, so to speak. So we see this. And the other interesting ca capability on that side is, uh, like when the Russian immigration happened in the 90s, the body of Messiah was able to print Bibles in Russian language, uh, books in Russian, uh, and then there was a, a revival that most people aren't even aware of. Uh, it began in the 90s and 2000s. Uh, there were thousands of Chinese uh, workers in Israel, and they were in work camps. You know, you know they would stay you know, uh, in an assigned place where they're a contractor, and they were bored to death, these men. Some of them were in the desert, and uh, a brother from uh, Hong Kong and John Pex, who some of us know, they started going to talk to these Chinese laborers and they were open to the gospel. And the next thing we know, they say, we need Bibles in Mandarin. And one of the printing presses, Yannette, said, give us the plates or the disc and we can print Bibles. And all of a sudden they're printing Bibles hmm. in Mandarin and dozens of people coming to faith and some of these Chinese were, they wanted to get baptized. Well, we don't have churches that have baptistries. And these workers were in the, the Negev, in the desert. And so one of the churches uh, that's owned by the Christian Missionary Alliance said, we'll dig a baptistry. <laughs> and you could baptize people there. And, they, and the interesting part of that story was the religious community, the Jew, Orthodox Jewish community, found out that they were, quote, baptizing people. Oh, not good. And they broke into the facility, tore it apart. But the irony was the baptistry was there to baptize Chinese laborers uh, not Jewish and not necessarily Jewish believers. <laughs> uh, you know, but... Uh, Ephraim, you, you live in Naharia, six miles south of the Lebanese border. Correct. And we, we just did a podcast yesterday and we asked the question... Can there be peace between the Jews and the Arabs? And we have a friend, a Jordanian friend, Jordanian Christian friend. Uh, she she just got back, and so we'll, we'll get to talk to you in a little bit. Um, excited to talk to you, Lana. Um, but you live, and, and one of the things that, like, if you look at the question and what's going on from, a, uh, from the mainstream media perspective, you would think that every Jew and every Arab is always at war and nobody can possibly get along. But really what we see in the land of Israel is that this is possible. Well, first, 
you know, uh, it's, it's a lie and a myth that the Jews and Arabs have been fighting for centuries and that Jews and Muslims are at enmity. Um, Jews have been living in the Middle East, you know, since, uh, since Abraham uh, and who were our neighbors. Uh, you know, they were Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites. We were slaves in Egypt for how many years? You know, we got along marvelously with the Egyptians until they decided to enslave us. That's right. Um, but Jews lived, the majority of the Jewish people lived in Muslim, Arab, and Persian countries for centuries. Um, and you're talking since the destruction since, of the temple? Since the destruction of the temple and since the rise of Islam. Right. You know, and most of the Jews did not have to convert. Yeah. So the Jewish people learned how to live... Uh, in coexistence. I mean, we're second-class citizens, Dimini, uh, according to Islamic law, but Jews learned how to live. Uh, and you don't see the persecution of the Jewish people the way you do in Europe with the Crusades and the pogroms uh, and even the Holocaust. Right. You know, so Jews lived, I don't want to say in coexistence, but we lived uh, without enmity with Arab peoples and with Muslims and with Persians. Uh, and, and so when people say, oh, Jews and Arabs have always been at war and there can never be peace, um, it, it's just a flat-out lie, a lie um, that, that doesn't exist. You know, the conflict, you know, without getting into, uh, you know, I mean, uh, you know, two-day-long history, really, once the Jewish people began returning to Israel, the land, with a sense of, we want to reestablish our homeland, that's when some of the conflict arose um, because the Arabs and Muslims began to realize that the Jewish people, who were always second-class citizens, now want to be the dominant people. And, you know, this was an affront to the Arab, it was an affront to, to Islam. And the conflict, it wasn't until about 1922 that you begin seeing... Um, you know, the, the sentiment of conflict, um, you know, and, uh, you know and, and so it hasn't been forever. Can we live in peace? You know, the problem that I poise is God brought the Jewish people back to the land of Israel, back to our homeland in unbelief. It, we, don't, we don't believe in the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And God brings us back to our homeland, who's now dwelt with mostly Muslims who are in unbelief. You know, so what could go wrong? No, nothing. <laughs> you know, um, but you you're know. you're living proof, though. In Naharia, you are a, you are a mixed community with Jews and Arabs, and you guys get along. Well, Galilee and Western Galilee, we are, uh, is about forty percent Arab, and of the forty percent Arab, it's eighty percent Muslim. Uh, the Arabs and Jews in Galilee, the Arabs are Israeli citizens. We live and work in harmony. Uh, somebody, one time somebody said, well, don't you need reconciliation? You know, and in Galilee, we don't need reconciliation with our Arab you know, neighbors because we, we haven't been at enmity. Um, we live and work in harmony. You know, and if you talk to Israeli Arabs, you know, and these are my neighbors, friends, people, they say you know, they, would rather, wouldn't, they would rather live in Israel uh, than any place else, um, 
you know, but this is where they are. But the other thing is the thing that they complain about are the things that citizens complain normally about. You know, we want more money for our education system. Uh, we want more money for our infrastructure. And now uh, a real serious burden this year before the, the war broke out, over 195 Arabs have been murdered in Galilee and it's criminal activity. Um, very much what I would consider akin to what's happening like in Chicago or Philadelphia. Just unexplained, unrestrained violence, uh, criminal upon criminal. And unfortunately, not everybody who's killed is a criminal. Uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's stray gunshots. Innocent and get in the way. I attended a, a prayer meeting in July of Arab and Israeli pastors in Galilee, and the Arab pastors were weeping you know, at the, the, the death in their community, and they're pleading with the Israeli government, send us more police, you know, and the Israeli p police authorities say no, because if there are more police, then the police get shot by the criminals. So it's, it's this kind of need and yearning they have, not for political identity, not for independence. Um, and people, you know, outside of Israel really have no idea that we live in peace because the Palestinian conflict and, you know, dominates the news. Uh, and in some ways, you know, it's more attractive to the news, but, but it's not the reality we live with. And, you know, you've traveled extensively in Galilee. You know, you know it's, uh, you know, I feel much safer there. Uh, than going into Philadelphia. Totally, any any U.S. city, yeah, right? <laughs> you know, and, and that's serious. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, um, you know, and, and so that's some of the reality we deal with. And the fact that my co-pastor, uh, you know, is Lebanese and Arabic is his first language. He he grew up in Muslim culture. Uh, you know, I say just for a time is this, you know, that a, a Jewish and Arab pastor uh, ministering uh, to peoples who don't know uh, the Lord. What are you flying back to? If you're going, you're going back to Israel, how do you feel about going back to Israel? And what, what's the, the climate that you're going back well, to? Well, I'm going back into a war. Uh, the war will take more violent shape this week. Um, and it's horrifying. You know, I, I'm trying to... We barely recovered from the, the atrocities over the last weekend, you know, of... Uh, you know, I haven't followed the media because it's just too painful to see uh, children murdered. And, and, and uh, in our ministry, we have a ministry to Holocaust survivors in uh, uh, Nisterot. And six people in this cl club that we have, a Bible fellowship, six people were murdered by Hamas um, and uh, people taken hostage. And you're talking about Holocaust survivors, people who are 85 years old. 80, who grew up with the horror of the Holocaust, and probably their last memory will be the horror of being Hamas prisoners. And we know these people, they're, they're part of our fellowships. So that pain has overwhelmed, but Israel and Naria, Galilee is gearing up for a major war. And um, you know, to be honest, I, you know, I uh, feel emotion to go, but I realize you know, I'm not is brave, you know, uh, you know, it's going to be very hard and scary uh, at some point this week, 
know, to part, to say goodbye to my wife for now, and my grandkids who don't know what's going on. Hmm. You know, my sons do, because they serve in the Israeli army. And uh, one of my sons, I, I said, do, how do you guys feel about me going? Because I really trust my sons, you know, they're men of God. And they said, we wish we could go uh, back to our country. And they said, Abba, you're going to be going to serve the community that you love. You know, so it's hard, and it's going to be scary. What, what, um, what is that like? Because we don't understand that from American context, where if, if there was a draft here today, there'd be people trying to get out of the country. Yeah. Um, but there are, there are Israelis who are living here in the States who see what's going on and can't get on the planes fast enough. You know, our army is called in Hebrew, Tzavah Haganah Israel, In short, we call it Tzahal. In English, it means the Israeli Defense Force. And in a sense, we have a contract with the army. We will send you our boys and girls, because that's what an 18-year-old is, to defend the, and you have to defend the country. That's the contract. Um, you know, uh, you know, it hurts that our army, you know, we're, we're branded as oppressors and, uh, com, you know, colonialists and apartheid state and uh, all of these horrible things. But at the end of the day, as a Jew in Israeli, we're trying to protect our people uh, in a very rough neighborhood and also a conflicted neighborhood, um, you know, uh, without doing a history course. If you look uh, at the situation in Egypt, you know, in Jordan, um, you know, how, how fragile it is to maintain a government stability. I've been to Jordan a number of times. Never. What? It's always changing. You know, but, but yeah. it's very fragile, and, and the Jordanians won't talk about it. Yes. Um, but it's a very fragile situation. Syria is just ending a civil war that took the lives of well over a million people, Muslims murdering Muslims, and you've had contact with some of that, as I have. Uh, and Lebanon, the whole country has totally collapsed because of Hezbollah and Iranian rule. Uh, you know, there's no banks, there's no hospital, uh, there's no government. Uh, it's run by Hezbollah, which is not a, necessarily Lebanese. Uh, there's no government. Uh, it's a military a militia that's taken over and is backed by, and so, because my co-pastor is, is Lebanese, so th that's the, the, the fragile makeup of things. Um, and, and what people don't and know. And we're trying to defend ourselves from, and the last weekend, the violence of Hamas shows that our enemy has said, you know, we'll cut out babies out of women's bodies and, you know, do horrendous things. They've been saying this. Uh, for decades, and when Hamas had the, that's what they were doing last weekend, is massacring. So, from the Holocaust, you know, we learned one thing, I think horribly, is to believe your enemy. When your enemy vows to destroy you, the Jews, if you talk, and, and I've talked to Jews in my family, uh, the Jews in Europe couldn't believe Mein Kampf. They couldn't believe, you know, Hitler's call to destroy the Jewish people. Uh, you know, and I think if we learned anything is when your enemy vows to destroy you, believe it. And that's why we call our army the defense forces. Uh, you know, but war is complicated. Uh, enemies are complicated. And uh, people are complicated. And so when we hear, you know, the, the call, 
uh, it's to defend our country. And I think now, like in 1973, when Israel was attacked, um, we realized that this is a real call. Um, in America, you know, Pearl Harbor had that reaction. Uh, you know, and my father and others joined the army to fight. But, you know, it's not always understood why we're going overseas, why we're going to Afghanistan or Iraq or Vietnam. Uh, but in Israel, it's clear. And we're not fighting in Lebanon or, or Jordan or, you know, I mean, we may be fighting in Lebanon, but, but it's defending our, our borders. You know, we're not looking for conquest or gain. And so that provokes and gives people a, a feeling of, I'm going to protect my country. Uh, I'm going to protect my people. I'm going to protect my family. What's the call for the church here in America? That, that's a good question, Mark. You know, I, I, I don't mean question, Mark. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question, comma, Mark. <laughs> uh, unless that's with a C. Are you t- oh, Matt. I'm Matt. Oh, Matt, I'm sorry. It's, it's all right. Okay, question. Now it makes sense. We'll, we'll just edit all of that out. <laughs> Let me ask you this question again. I'm just kidding. I've got it. Uh, what, what, what do we do, though? As it's a good church? question, Matt. Yeah, there you go. Uh, now it makes sense. Now we can edit that. The, um, what was the question? <laughs> this is what it's normally no, like the, doing the, podcasting. The call to and this, I've been thinking about and praying about this week. And one of the reasons I was glad to come to, to Asbury, to, to Wilmore, um, right now there's a lot of sympathy from well-meaning Christians, uh, and I praise God for that. But uh, it's going to change as the media begins to portray Israel as the aggressor. Uh, it's, it's already started. Um, and the Christian sentiment in America will change uh, because we don't like long, protracted, complicated conflicts. Uh, I tried so hard to get people to pray and be concerned about the war in Syria, and to no avail. I couldn't find Christians who would, would be really energized to, to care about that and provide relief. Um, you know, that's just the nature of it. So the concern is to keep people focused on the issue of the need for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, the other is that the Jews are in unbelief, the Muslims are in unbelief, and these are people who desperately need to turn to Yeshua. For, for the Jewish people, Isaiah says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, though you've suffered twice for your sins. As Jewish people, and I'll attend funerals when I go back, and the cry is, why? When does this end, Lord? When does this end? What is God doing to us? And the answer is, he's waiting for you to call upon him. That's what it takes for a Jewish person to get saved. And to the Muslims I've talked to and I've seen come to faith, they say, this is bloody. You know, when do we live in peace? When, when do we have, you know, a religion that's not pressing us or we're even attacking each other? Um, and the answer is, call out to Isa, call out to, to Yeshua. Um, and in many ways, I think Muslims are more open to receiving Yeshua than Jewish people are. Uh, and when you hear reports, and you, Martin, have seen some of this, of uh, tens of thousands of hearing of Muslims coming to faith, you know, and a lot of this is documented. I have uh, friends who, and people I know who firsthand know about 
revival taking place in Iran, um, you know, amongst the Muslims. And so that's why I say with some confidence that in some ways more Muslims are coming to faith and it's easier for the Muslims uh, to say enough. You know, we, we want peace with God. Um, you know, and so that's the second big prayer. And then as an Israeli, you know, we barely mourned the death of over 1,500 people and we're starting a war now. Um, and for God to just to comfort those uh, who mourn, um, you know, in Zion. And the first, the fourth would be for people, and you guys are the, the subject, to help keep people aware and informed of what's going on. That's, that's our burden, you know, is to get the message and keep the truth out, um, you know, uh, when you hear it, uh, and, and to keep informed enough to know what's going on. And, you know, that, that takes an effort. You know, it's up to us who care about Israel in the middle to not be complacent and not let the lies and the propaganda, which is ultimately of the devil, because the lies are horrific. Um, yeah, so that, those are some of the points. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, Martin, I was just going to ask, would you pray over Ephraim yeah. as we go, as he goes to Israel <clears throat> next week and um, for the people of Israel mm -hmm. and uh, that we would be a faithful witness, a truthful witness yeah. against a narrative that's trying to distort everything. If you're comfortable raising your hand towards our brother, um, join me. Father, I, I thank you for Ephraim. I thank you for his... Um, his devotion to you. I thank you for Jeannie and the way that you have blessed um, their marriage and um, for their children. Lord, I thank you for the way that you have planted him in the land that's dear to your heart. I uh, thank you, Lord, for um, uh, his heart that he has devoted um, to serving you uh, in the land of Israel. And um, we just want to lift him to you tonight uh, for everything that you have in mind for him to accomplish as he returns. Um, Lord, it's easy to pray for safety. We want that. But we really pray for fruitfulness for him in his time, that his encounters with others um, would bear great fruit, mm -hmm. that he would bring comfort to many as he interacts with women and men uh, across the nation, children. Uh, think of his congregation, Lord. Um, and is it Pierre? You're, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and for Pierre, uh, his, his pastor, uh, co-pastor there in that congregation, um, would you uh, set them in a place where they can shine um, uh, the light of Yeshua and glorify the Father through their actions, um, their words? Um, Lord, uh, we really don't know what's coming in the weeks uh, ahead, but you do. And um, we are, are comforted tonight as we sit here knowing that you are not wringing your hands in heaven wondering what's going to happen next. So would you let Ephraim and others that are serving there uh, uh, walk in um, the plan that you have for them? And we say to you, Lord, your plan over the land of Israel is perfect. It's the right plan. Uh, it's something you've had in, 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 in your heart, in your mind, uh, since the beginning of time. So, um, Lord, let, let this, uh, this amazing man <laughs> that loves you so dearly um, uh, walk faithfully. Uh, every step that he takes in the days that are coming in Yeshua's name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Um, I just want, for those of you who are still here hanging out, thank you. It's a treat, right? 
it's good, better than what we were doing. It's great. Lana, I just want to say hello to you and thank you for coming and making your way here. Um, would you just, you are a Jordanian. You love Jesus, and, uh, and you love the Jewish people and Israel as well. Um, you just spent some time in Jordan, and even just from what, one of the questions that we had earlier before you came. I grew up in Jordan. Grew up in Jordan. Yes. And, and then, but you were just there for six weeks, two months. Yeah, I lost my visit for my family. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you and your family come to faith in Jesus? Uh, we're already Christian. So we born Christian, but become faith and know Jesus. Like, I believe my parents are, especially my father, he's a, a good believer. And, uh, um, and uh, it, it's the environment I grow up. It's like in a compound that a lot of Christian there, Christian, and also... Um, um, like uh, my father used to work in an orphan school, so there was a church. There's a Bible study. So, but grow up in with the Christ is um is just like not happening like that. You need to learn to love God. For me, example, um, like I have the curiosity to know who's God first. I heard about Jesus, but who's God? It take me might be until being in my age 12 or 14, as I remember, uh, always curious to ask and have thirsty to know about Bible. Uh, what, what was it like? What's it like to grow up in Jordan as a Christian? Challenge. There yeah. is some challenge there. Of course, like God, like as a government, there's a law protect you, and there you have. Um, the churches to pray, but it's with the public, especially I'm talking about the 80s, 90s, they have challenges. Yeah, there's a lot of challenges for me, for my experience. Yeah. Um, you've been here in the States since everything has happened in Israel over the last week. Yeah, it's very um, sad, though. It is right. sad. What what has been um, the response of the people in Jordan that you've heard? Um, through the family, they're uh, they don't like what's happening there because we love the Jewish or like the Israel as a country. Also, we are very um, sad what's happening to Palestinian and the people like uh, die dying children, families, old mans. We, we're, for me as a, my family, we're not happy because we're looking for the peace. We're, we're thirsty to hear about peace. So as I remember in 1994, when the peace happening the, with um, Jordan and, um, and Israel, and um, my mom, was pregnant that time. So as soon as my sister came, he called her peace. He called her salam. Uh -huh. So because we were very happy, like, yes, finally, there's a peace. We can go back there. They can come there. Yeah. And I will mention something. Before I came here in my last visit to Jordan, I saw a lot of Israelian. I don't know if they are Jewish, but I believe they are. 
um, in, in the country. And they are not afraid to say they are Israeli because before to, to, to say that you are Jewish or you're Israeli in public kind of, kind of like have a fear. Um, so I will, I've been in Aqaba and I've been in Petra and I saw a lot of uh, tourists from Israel like, oh, where you are from? I'm just from Israel. Oh, you are very welcome. And we have conversations there. But I'd be surprised now with the news, with the, um, the big fight and doesn't sound good though. So, yeah. Can, can I add, thank you for that. Uh, I remember I was in when I was in Israel in '94 when the Oslo the peace was signed, and the uh, when the accord was signed before with uh, Yasser Arafat and the Palestinians, uh, we felt very uncomfortable, and the Prime Minister of Israel Yitzhak Rabin looked very uncomfortable because there, nobody knew the, how this future would be, but. When the peace accord was signed with uh, King Hussein, mm -hmm. um, there was a sincerity between King Hussein and Yitzhak Rabin, um, uh, and we all felt, wow, th this is a peace. And I was in Jordan at Petra when uh, Yitzhak Rabin was assassinated, and I heard about it uh, in the morning from the Jordanian when I went to a shop and the Jordanian said, we're so sorry. And I said, about what? And they said, your prime minister was killed. And, and they were mourning uh, and grieving. Mm -hmm. uh, and that to me spoke so much of the, the peace accord. Uh, that was real Salim Shalom. Uh, yeah, Salam. You know, in, in the true sense. And, and the coexistence has, has increased uh, and continued. I will add something also. As yes. the... Um you, you already say that Jewish are from long time. They are live in the country. In Jordan. In Jordan. I don't know in Jordan, to be honest, but I know in Iraq, I know in Egypt, and I know in Syria, and I hear a lot of stories, and they speak the language as, as the Arabic language, like the accent or delegate for the country. Yeah. So, um, and I know after that war, there's... There's something happened, might be in the 70s, 80s, that, that the ideology or has been changed. Their neighbors, they start to hate the Jewish or, you know, and then been kicked out from these countries. And you can tell their lists uh, in these countries now, like in Iraq or in G Egypt, like now. Mm -hmm. So I believe we lived in peace before even Christian, Arab, uh, Muslim, or um, Muslim, Christian, and Jewish in the same country with no problem. And I remember my grandfathers also will say, we never see that hate from where this hate is came. Mm -hmm. So there's a seed plant mm -hmm. in their, these people um, heart that make that hate more and more for especially Jewish. And if you see in the media, you're, they will say the Jewish, not the Israeli. We will, I hate to, to say that, we mm -hmm. will kill the Jewish. Right. Yeah, and I, it's just like, why this hate? Why more hate? 
we we looking for the peace and i believe the peace will not be until all know jesus even the muslim the christian that they are still not christian <laughs> they need to know more about the jesus and the, the believer the, to believe more and the jewish so yeah. this is my i think it's conversations like this that are really great beginning points and helps dispel some of the myths that everybody's at war. And so we love you. It was so great to have you at our house for Shabbat. We got to do it again. It's been too long. And uh, I'm just thankful for everybody here for this conversation. So can I just, I'm just going to close this and you can linger as you want or go home. I'm, I'm a tired man. Um, so let me just, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha Sa Adonai panavalecha v'yishmerecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and may he give you peace. God, uh, today, uh, as we stand on the precipice of what feels like things are just getting a lot worse, uh, would you bring comfort to your people? Uh, would you um, break down walls and barriers um, that have existed um, for, for years? And then remind people like us tonight that there have been perceived walls and, and battles that really haven't been. Um, there is possibility for peace. And we know the end of the story that your kingdom will come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we long for that day um, where we won't have to deal with elections and governments and lack of trust, but that you will sit on the throne and you will be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we long for that day. Um, where we can all sit, we don't have to worry about any war. There will the, the weapons of war will be turned into farming equipment. And so that's what we get to we get to look forward to it. Thank you for this community here in the Asbury community and uh, thank you for our friends Lana and Ephraim and uh, just Lord continue to work in our lives and our hearts that we'd be quick and do your will and your spirit. In the name of Messiah Yeshua and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.